Happy Sunday, Shoreline City. You guys ready for an exciting, fantastic, wonderful day or what? I hope you are. Uh, my name is Earl. Those of you who are first-time guests here, we are thrilled to have you. And again, we pray that you're feeling right at home. Uh, this environment might be a little bit new for you. People like singing and lifting up their hands and uh, all the excitement here. Uh, but, you know, praise is actually natural for us. We do this, whether it's politicians or with companies, uh, definitely with sports teams. We're praying uh, today that the Cowboys do something that we, I mean, the Lord is working right now in the NFC East. He's taking out quarterback after quarterback so that I don't think the Lord's doing that. But uh, I'm so excited to see what's happened with the Cowboys. Hopefully beat the Eagles today. Uh, but we're going to clap and we're going to applaud for all of that. That's wonderful. But all of that stuff is temporary. It's temporary. What we're praying, what we worship and who we worship too is eternal. That's Jesus Christ. who want to change us and transform us from the inside out. So again, thrilled all of you are here today. We're going to take out some time now open up the Bible. We don't believe it's just a good book. We actually believe it's the Word of God, uh, inspired by God, written for you and for me uh, to help us know who He is, who we are in relationship uh, to Him. So if you have your Bibles, open up with me me, uh, to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. If you didn't bring your Bible with you, we're actually going to put all the scriptures on the screen so you can follow along with us. Luke chapter 10. Uh, The title of today's message is A Road Less Traveled, A Road Less Traveled for all nine of you who are taking notes today. A Road Less Traveled. I almost titled this message, You Ride, I Walk, but I went with A Road Less Traveled. Luke chapter 10, we're going to begin reading in verse number 25. It says, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus, teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Verse 26, what is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? Just quick context here. This teacher in the law, this scholar, this would have been an individual that would have known the first five books of what we call the Old Testament, like the back of his hand. This is the the law. Uh, It's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. These first five books of the Bible were considered the law. So this teacher in the law, this expert in the law, comes up, and he's trying to test Jesus. And he's like, hey, what do I need to do to have eternal life? Give me the insight. And Jesus says here, hey, tell me what's in the law. And then don't just tell me what's in the law, but how do you read it? Because it's one thing to read something, but it's a whole other thing to interpret what you read. For instance, if you're in a relationship right now and your boyfriend says to you, I love you, but you hear, I'm going to leave you in five weeks. You're interpreting what he said through the lens with which you have lived life. It's not just what we read. It's how we interpret what we read. So Jesus here asked him, hey, what's in the law? How do you interpret it? Skip with me here to verse 27. He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. Verse 29, but he wanted to justify himself. This teacher of the law was looking for a loophole. 
he, so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Understand this, when the Jews were interpreting the law, some of them, uh, they would, well, their definition of neighbor was rather narrow. So this teacher of the law, he answers correctly, uh, but then Jesus uh, says, hey, okay, go ahead and do this. And, and this teacher goes, okay, well, well, neighbor can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. This is how I interpret neighbor. What do you think the Bible means? What do you think the law means when it talks about neighbor? So Jesus tells a story. And he tells a story that some of us might be a little bit familiar with. Others of us, this might be brand new for us. Um, but I'm praying today there are some insights from this story that shape your heart and mind because I'm going to be honest with you. I was a little bit um, frustrated reading it this week because I was aggravated with myself seeing how much further I need to grow, how much I still need to learn this guy here is trying to justify himself. He's trying to find a loophole. He, he's trying to find a way around. And you and I, we justify ourselves all the time. There's so many times that we know what God is calling us to do, but we don't do it because we're justifying our behavior. We know when someone cuts us off, we ought not cuss them out and tell them about their mama, but we justify it. We do it because... They cut us off. So if you cut me off, I should be able to cut you off, and I should be able to point the way to heaven to you when I get around in front of you. I'm using two fingers here, not one. We feel justified. My kids do this all the time. Hey, uh, he hit me so I can hit him back. Hey, he took this from me so I can take this from them. We are always looking for ways to justify ourselves. I'm sleeping around because this is how guys have treated me or this is how girls have treated me. I justify myself. And you and I are in this boat together, and I wish it weren't the case, but all of us in here are trying to find different loopholes at different times so that we can appease our own conscience. This guy trying to justify himself, and he asks Jesus this question, who's my neighbor? And Jesus tells a story, the master storyteller. There's no one like Jesus when it comes to stories. Now, this story that he's about to share, this is a, this is a parable. This is, this is a story. This didn't actually happen. Um, and, and some people take parables and they make them mean a whole bunch of different things. But really, parables have like one primary meaning. This particular parable is, is about loving your neighbor. And, and Jesus here uh, jumps in on this story. And look with me. In verse 30, in reply, Jesus says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Let me um, just insert a little bit of commentary here for a second because we read that and it's like, okay, a guy got beat up. But in Jesus' day, they, they would have understood what Christ was talking about. He talked about how, he talked about this road between Jericho and Jerusalem. This was a road that was known to be very, very dangerous. It's about 17 to 18 miles in between. Jericho sat up here. Jerusalem sat down here about 3,000 feet below it. And the terrain was treacherous, and there were all these caves, and robbers all the time would hang out on this road. Some people actually called it the bloody way. 
They knew if you go to that side of town at that, at that night and you go to that gas station, chances are someone's going to have a present for you. So some people avoided it. Other people didn't. But this particular story, there's this man. He's going from one city to another city. Robbers jump on him, strip him of his clothes, beat him, leave him for half dead. He is there on the side of the road. And you think, you think, oh, my goodness, Jesus is about to now bring in some church people. And since he's about to bring in church people, that means this man is about to be taken care of. Because whenever church people come, everything gets better. Or does it? So Jesus is talking about this man. He's beaten. He's stripped of his clothes. Stripped of his dignity. Stripped of his strength. He's bare, naked on the side of the road, left for half dead. Hey, today I know uh, all of you look so beautiful and wonderful. I see you here. I'm so glad you're here. You took a shower, brushed your teeth. Congratulations. Well done. You put on deodorant. You look absolutely fantastic. Even Some of you even wearing makeup. Actually, I'm wearing makeup too because my head's so shiny. They got to put some makeup on top of my head so it doesn't put a big old glare in everybody's face. I can't stand wearing makeup, but I do it to serve you. Take it off immediately after a fourth service. But, but, but you, you were in makeup. You, you got dressed. You, you put yourself together. But the reality is, as many of us in this room right now who are listening to me, that you're feeling emotionally and spiritually like you have been beaten and left for half dead. There's many in this room right now, there's many that are hearing me that have walked through some turmoil, maybe even this week, over, over this past year, and you're thinking about 2018, and you're like, can 2019 get here? Any, can please, 2019, get here immediately. I am done with 2018, because emotionally, spiritually, maybe even financially, you feel like you have been beaten, stripped, robbed, and left for dead. Sometimes that happens when you look at your bank account and you remember there used to be money in it, but the divorce took all your money away. Sometimes you remember when you used to have some relationships, but that one person said something about you that wasn't true and you responded maybe in a way that you weren't supposed to respond and all of your friends decided to leave you and go with them. You can look at your life and you can feel as if you have been stripped. Just as a quick aside, this is why it's on purpose that we have people in the parking lot that are smiling big. This is why it's on purpose that we have people at the doors that are smiling big. This is why it's on purpose that we have ushers in here smiling big and directing you. It's because we recognize that people are coming into our doors every single week who have been beaten, who have been left for dead, who have been stripped, and we want to remind you that the God of heaven has not forgotten about you. We want to remind you that you really are loved, valued, and believed. We want to remind you that the best days of your life are not behind you, but the best days of your life are still in front of you. We want to remind you that if it's not good, it's not final yet. So if you're in a valley right now, the God of heaven has the power to pick you up and put you on a firm foundation. We want to remind people of that every single week. I know you look pretty on the outside. Your car might be great. Your house or apartment might be fantastic. But we know on the inside, we got plenty of folks beaten, left for half dead, wondering, does anyone even care? 
thinking about taking your life, thinking about moving away, thinking about disconnecting yourself from community. And no one might even think that about you because you smile a lot, but inside you know what's going on in your soul. So here, this man has been stripped, left for half dead. Verse 31, a priest, yes, yes, a priest shows up. Yes, a priest just happened to be going down the same road. So here's the man. He's half dead. He's like, oh, somebody help me. So God, please help me. God, please help me. So now a priest, a priest is coming. Yes, not a a priest. Oh, my goodness. He's surely going to help me. He's surely going to help me. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, here's another church person. A Levite, when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side. You've got two church people that have, that have seen this man broken down on the side of the road, beaten, left for half dead, and both of them have gone to the other side. I, uh... I like to think that this just happens in the Bible. But, man, there's plenty of time. I think this morning I saw somebody broken down on the side of the road. But I had to get here. I had to get here. And I couldn't have you waiting for me, so I knew they needed some help. But I had to get here. So since I had to get here, I I didn't stop. Have you ever been stopped on the side of the road, uh, like your tire went flat or something? You realize you don't realize how fast cars are going until you're stopped on the side of the road. You're like, people, slow down right here. About to kill me out here. And then you realize it's just going 40 miles per hour. But it feels like it's so fast. People just flying by you. Whenever you're in a place of brokenness, it looks like everyone else in your life is just going at the speed of light. It seems like everybody else has everything together. It seems like everybody else gets pregnant whenever they want to get pregnant. It seems like everybody else's business takes off the ground. It seems like everybody else's friends are perfect. It seems like everybody else's Thanksgiving is wonderful. It's like they're just flying past you. And here you are broken down on the side of the road wondering, is anyone going to stop? Now, this, this, these, these priests, this priest and Levite, they would have understood the law. They would have understood that if they touch someone who is dead, they become unclean. Well, they don't want to be unclean because they got to go do their church stuff. So they think, hmm, maybe they wanted to help, but this, uh, I, I got something else I got to take care of right now. I got something else I've got to do. So those are the first two characters. So now the third character is about to come on the scene. This third character is about to be the hero. It's about to be incredibly exciting. Oh, my goodness. Okay, we know the third one is going to make everything wonderful. And Jesus says this. Verse 33. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, He took pity on him. Now, we read these terms, and we're like priest, Levite, Samaritan, okay. But in Christ's day, Jesus just dropped a bomb on these guys, a bomb. You see, to a Jew, Samaritans were half-breeds. 
These were people they did not respect. These were people they did not like. These were people they looked down upon. These were people that they did not uh, care about. These were people. Matter of fact, Samaritan was like a cuss word. You Samaritan. So you know what you can do at work this week, you know, when somebody bothers you? Smile. Say, you Samaritan. Just keep on walking, <laughs> knowing you just cussed them out and they don't even know it. <laughs> this, was, this was a bad word. To Jews, they were not, they, they, were, they did not look at Samaritans and put them on a pedestal. They looked at Samaritans and thought they were beneath our feet. Okay, let me make this, uh, let me make you uncomfortable for a second. You ready? You ready? You just, you, come on. Give me a nod. Give me something. Okay, so say, um, say you're a Republican. Say, say, say you're a Republican, and Sean Hannity comes up. You think he's going to help? Then uh, George Bush comes up. You think he's going to help? Who I actually think would. But he, you think he's going to help. But neither one of them do. Then Hillary Clinton walks up. <laughs> and she helps this person on the side of the road. Well, 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 let's just, maybe you're a Democrat. Maybe you're a Democrat. Maybe you're a Democrat. Okay, we're equal opportunity offenders here at this church. You're a Democrat. Nancy Pelosi walks up, and you, she, she, she walks around. And then Cory Booker walks up, and he walks around. And Donald Trump walks up. I want you to feel it, okay? I want you to feel it. Because whatever side of the tracks that you are on, You've got some people that you think they would never, they're terrible, they're the worst, oh, they're the devil, or they're the, and Jesus says, let me use that person. Let me use the person that you think is the worst. Let me use the person that you think is the devil. Let me use the person that you think is less than you. Let me use the person that you think you're better than. And I'm going to make that person the star of the story. This is what the Jews would have been hearing in this. This Samaritan, when he shows up on the scene, he came to where the man was. He saw him. He took pity on him. He had compassion. His emotions, his heart was moved toward this man. The Bible does not tell us why. But maybe the Samaritan remembered a day when he was broken down on the side of the road. Maybe the Samaritan remembered a day when he was bruised and beaten and left for half dead. Maybe the Samaritan remembered a day when people were walking past him and he said, God, if you ever give me a chance to help someone that is in the position that I was in that you got me out of, God, I will not walk past that individual. I will help them like you helped me. Maybe this man remembered when he was in the pit, so he wanted to pull somebody else out of the pit. This is why sometimes it's easy, if you haven't been through anything, to judge people. 
you haven't been through any drama in your life, any problems, it's easy to look at somebody and go, oh, why do they clap? Oh, why are they lifting their hands? Oh, why do they serve? It's easy to kind of judge other people. But when you get a chance to talk to someone and you realize that they have been through some hell in their life and they are still standing, no wonder they keep on giving and loving and helping and serving. It's because they remember when they had nothing and the grace of God picked them up. Life is not like this. <laughs> okay, it's not. This is not life. If this has been your life, I want to apologize in advance. That there is some, some stuff is going to hit the fan at some point in time. Life just has a way of doing it. And it's not because you're bad or because you're evil. It's because life has a way of doing that. Life is more like... That's life. It's all over the place, up and down and left and right. And you might think when you're in a pit that it's good, you're going to be like that forever. But enough of us are in here to announce to you, you will not be in that spot forever. God really does wipe every tear from every eye. He really has the power to take something broken and put it back together. That's what our God does. And the emotions are real. The pain is real. The, the tension is real. The struggle is real. But what is even more real is the grace of God to sustain you and when you are weak you are actually strong in him so here is this Samaritan he sees the man has pity on him but he doesn't stop there look look he he went to him verse 34 he went to him he went to him come on church he went to him he the Samaritan went to him he did not expect the man to come to him the samaritan went to the brokenness i just want to make it clear the type of church we are okay because we've grown a lot over this last year got lots of new folks i love you so glad you're here but you might think that this is a church we just attend you might think this is a church where you just come and sit and you get to critique the preacher or the music. Or the people are serving. Nah, I, I wouldn't do it like that. I don't know. I don't know what they're too. They're too nice there. They're too nice. I mean, I'll come again, but they're there. So, so you might think that's my job when I go to church. <laughs> I give them my opinion about everything. <laughs> I just gotta let you know. <laughs> Wrong church. <laughs> You're welcome. We love you. We're glad that you're here. But we are not a church that sits around on Sunday hiding out from the world, trying to wait for next Sunday, and we think that God somehow is anemic and weak. We actually believe that we're the hands and feet of Jesus and have been called to go into our community and our world and to touch and reach every piece of brokenness and hurt that's out there. He went to him. Um, we have three wonderful children, okay? And if you don't have any, any kids yet, um, I, I just want to tell you that something's going to happen whenever you do have children, okay? You're going to hate your life. Just for a little while. It's just for a little while, okay? It's not the whole time. It's not forever. But there's a season.
I'm telling you right now, you're, you're going to hate your life. Because your child will be crying and crying and crying and, and you won't know why. You will have no idea why. I remember our firstborn, Onika, she, she knows I'm telling the truth. We were sitting, we were laying in the bed. It's 2.38 in the morning, okay? We, we have not slept in days, okay? It felt like weeks. We had not slept. And our son is just crying and crying. And I said, honey, 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 I wish a baby grand piano would fall on my head right now. I said those words out of my mouth. Just take me out. We changed his diaper. We fed him. I even tried to breastfeed him, okay? It was inappropriate. You're you're trying to do everything you possibly... Come on, dad. You're doing everything... That was inappropriate. You're doing everything you can. To try to get this child to sleep and they will not do it. You'll get through it. Don't worry. You'll get, it doesn't last forever. You'll get through it. So I remember one night, he's like five months old. He's crying in the crib. And, you know, Nika was so kind to get ready to get up and go get him. I said, no, 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 no. Stay here next to me. Maybe he'll come to us. Just, just stay here. Come on, come on, Okay. If he really needs us, okay, if he really needs us, he'll figure out a way to come to us. It was so silly. It's, this is how too many people in the church think. We got people who are broken and crying and they can't walk on their own. And here we are comfy in our bed and in our church just wait. They'll come to us, and Jesus is saying, no, 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 church. I want you to be willing to get out of your comfortable seat and be willing to get out of your comfortable skin, and I want you to be willing to go to where I have called you to go. Go to the cry. Pick that child up, and you walk with that child as long as you need to walk with that child, and you remind that child that they are loved, that they are cared about, and that is what our society and our world is needing. We don't need more people just laying in the bed. We need a church that is willing to get up from where it is and be the hands and feet of Jesus. That's who we are. So now look, look at this, look at this. He he went to him, and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil. And wine. I, I, I like this story because it connects us back with what we talked about last week with this, uh, the, the widow. And, and we were talking about our whole heaven to earth offering and our opportunity to reach out to other individuals. And I, I like in that story, she went to her neighbors and, and there was a pouring of the, the oil. He, here, some of the same things are happening. Here is this Samaritan and he is pouring oil and he's pouring wine. Wine to, to help with the pain and oil to help with the healing. Wine to help with the pain and oil to help with the healing. Why do we have connect groups to, to help with the pain and to help with the healing, to help you become who God is calling you to be? So what happened to you when you were 12 or 17 is not the thing that defines you, but what happened at the cross is the thing that defines you. And being in a community of faith where some people will keep on pouring oil and wine into your life. Pours the oil pours the wine, but he does not stop there. That would have been enough. This Samaritan 
Then he put the man on his own donkey. He put the man on his own donkey. That means, that means this Samaritan now has to walk as he allows this man to ride. That's why I almost called this. You ride. I'll walk. Because I like the idea of us being the church that is saying, I'm willing to walk. I'm willing to be inconvenienced. I'm willing to show up early and stay late. I'm willing to sacrifice some money. I'm willing to sacrifice some sleep so that you can ride. I'll walk. So he's got the man on his donkey. I don't know if the guy who was beaten and robbed and left for half dead, I don't know if that man's able to talk. I don't know if he's if he's in so much pain. I don't know all that he is saying and expressing. But this Samaritan walks with him all the way to the inn. They get to the inn. And I when I read the story, I used to think he like dropped him off there and then he gave the guy some money to cover some needs, but he didn't. What he did, look at this. It says, verse 35, the next day. He took two denarii the next day. That means a Samaritan stayed with the man overnight. I always thought he kind of dropped him off. But he stayed with the man overnight. I'll sit with you. I'll I'll, I'll hold your hair. I'll I'll bandage your wounds. I'm going to have your back. I'm going to stay with you overnight. It reminded me of this story. I just heard this the other day. It blew me away. It made me so so happy. Mark Grice. Some of you in our church uh, know Mark Grice. Great, great young man. Um, sorry, ladies, he's taken, uh, but, but great, great guy. And, and Mark, and Mark uh, got a couple guys from church, uh, and, and three, five guys or so, they went to go play flag football, but we didn't have enough guys from the church that showed up, so there was a bunch of other guys at the field, and they were waiting for some friends uh, to come and play flag football, but their friends didn't show up, so you got these Shoreline City guys, Mark, and, and with these other guys that are strangers, and they all decide they're going to play together. Well, they're playing football together, and then this new group of guys, these strangers, say, hey, hey, I, uh, I got a flag football league. You want to join it? And Mark and the guys are like, Sure. We'll join. So they join their league on Tuesday. At Tuesday, they're at the game, and this guy named Damon gets hit in the chest, takes a shoulder to the chest. He's sitting on the sidelines, and he's in uh, excruciating pain. Mark comes over to him and sitting there. He's like, hey, man, um, you might need to go to the hospital. Damon's like, okay, I'm going to go. Well, Mark goes with him. And Mark's sitting there with a stranger at the hospital, and then Justin shows up from Shoreline, and then Dom shows up from Shoreline, and they're sitting there in the hospital with this stranger. He's getting all these tests done, and the guy's on the phone. He's like, uh, Mom, Dad, you know I just moved here from New York. Uh, these are these strangers. They're sitting here in the hospital with me. They're praying for me, and they have my back. I got to go to this church. Damon just came to church last week. Then he went to a connect group this week as well. Why? Because we're not the type of church that says, hey, I'm just praying for you. We're the type of church that says, I'm praying for you, but I'm also going to be there for you. So here, this guy spends the night, takes care of this guy, then goes downstairs and puts some money on the counter for the innkeeper. Hey, put it all on my tab. One historian says, uh, if the numbers would be right, uh, that, that he put enough money down for two months' rent. Two months. It could have been less. It could have been a month. But it was not the minimum. This guy was going above and beyond. I, I want to make this really, really clear for just a second. One of the things that's beautiful about this story is that this good Samaritan was able, was actually able to help 
he, he, his heart was moved, but he actually also had the money to be able to do it. I, I just want to encourage you, take every step you can to get out of debt. Take every step you can to manage your money properly. Take every step you can to stop hoarding and holding on to your resources. Put God first in your tithing because you know where you've got holding on to 100%. Go ahead and give him that first 10% and see what he can do with the 90 so that when your heart is moved, when God says, hey, son, daughter, I want you to do something, you actually have the money to be able to do what's in your heart to do. I love this about the story. It's something that can be skipped over. But because the guy had the coins, he could put them down. I just, I want, honestly, I want to be that type of man. I want to be that type of man that's like, hey, you got a need? Hey, if I'm, I'm feeling moved in this moment to help you, hey, put it down. And if there's more than that that comes, if you're a family and you can't have Christmas, I'm not going to spend $3,500 on my kids and you're over here and you don't have anything to spend. Hey, kids, we're going to come over here and we're going to help because I've got extra to be able to do. And I wish I was crazy enough to spend $3,500 on my kids. Not even close. I'm just saying. Us as a church, who are we going to be? Who are we going to be? Because it's easy to point fingers and you and you and you and justify ourselves. Well, if I was in their situation, well, they graduated. Oh, they've got their postgraduate degree. Oh, they're married. Oh, they're single. We give all these justifying ourselves. Jesus here is saying, hey, 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 you don't need to justify yourself. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. This is love. We complicated this thing so much. <laughs> well, what do you believe about baptism? What do you believe about women in ministry? What do you believe about that? What do you believe about... What? what? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. So we, we talked about this whole heaven... Uh, to her earth offering and I'm thinking about thinking about the kids in Kenya that we're going to be supporting giving a Christmas to I'm thinking about the kids that are about to age out of the foster care system who don't have mom and dads to go home to during the holiday season that we're providing a Christmas for I'm thinking about the teachers that are on the front lines and we're just going to extend some worth and value and love their direction by giving them a teacher's lounge. I'm thinking about the people up north that are praying for a church that some of us might even take for granted. And we're saying, we're not asking you to come to us. We're gonna actually going to plant a campus there, and we're going to go to you. And I'm thinking about the kids that are in the foster care system that don't have a mom and a dad, but we're going to give them a mom and dad. Then we're actually going to give them a house that we're going to pay for. We're partnering with another church. I- I'm just glad that we're going to be a church that's not just going to walk by and pass by on the other side of the road. That's why we are not ashamed about giving and putting God first in every single part of our lives. This is, this is the way of Christ. So he says, uh, Jesus asked the guy, um, verse 36, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the expert in the law replied, 
the one who had mercy on him. He can't even bring himself to say Samaritan. He can't even bring himself to say Samaritan. The one who had mercy on him. Go and do likewise, Jesus said. Hey, we can't do everything, but we can do something. And there's no guilt, there's no condemnation here, but in this church family, I just want to let you understand that we're not spectators. We're surrendered sons and daughters, allowing the grace of God to change us from the inside out. If you wouldn't mind, in the balcony on the floor, do me a favor, bow your heads for just a moment. Every person in here, bow your heads for just a moment. If you're here today, you've never given your heart and your life to Christ. You've never made him number one. You've never made him first in your life. If you're honest with yourself right now, you would say Jesus Christ is not number one in your life. You would say he is not first. But you're here today under the sound of my voice and you're saying you don't want to go your own way anymore. You want to go his way. I'm not asking do you have a Bible. I'm not asking were you baptized as a child. Nor am I asking do you necessarily believe in God. I'm asking is your life surrendered to Jesus. Maybe there was a time you were following him but you've gotten off the path gone your own direction and you're here today you're saying you don't want to go your own way anymore you want to go his way so if that's you here you've never given your heart and your life to Christ or one point in time you did and you slipped away on the count of three I'm going to ask you to do something simple but something incredibly bold I'm literally going to ask you to shoot your hand in the air and say yes that is me I want to give my heart I want to give my life to Christ ready one two three just shoot your hand in the air you're saying yes that is me I want to give my heart I want to give my life to Christ we have friends all over this room that are lifting their hands right now saying, I don't want to go my own way anymore. I want to go his way. I don't want to be first in my life. I want him to be first. Who else wants to get in on this prayer? A new beginning, a fresh start. This is a moment of transformation. Going from darkness to light. I'm going to ask everyone in this room, if you would not mind, every person, put your hand over your heart. I'm going to ask all of us to repeat this prayer out loud. Say, dear Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins I admit I've made mistakes and today I give you my heart I give you my life give me the power to live for you in Jesus name amen let's just lift our heads and clap our hands with enthusiasm you really are loved and valued and believed in